0: Well, congregation, as always at this time, I invite you to turn now, in your copy of God's Word, uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, as we are in the middle of a brief series looking at a number of aspects of this book, and in most of the Pew Bibles, you should be able to find that passage on page 1,156. Over the last number of weeks, we've been selecting various passages in 2 Timothy to consider applications on what it is to be a Christian leader. We've been noting that to be a Christian leader is not just to be a pastor, elder, or deacon, but it's to be a parent. It's to be a Sunday school teacher, a catechism teacher, to be anyone who is leading and walking ahead of someone else, discipling them in the faith. There are many aspects of Christian leadership. Last week, we looked at the end of chapter 2, noting that to be a Christian leader requires us at times to warn those who are walking in sin or walking in error. This morning, I want to look at the end of chapter 3 and note that to be a Christian leader it means that we need to study the Bible for our own strength. Paul here is going to tell Timothy to study the Word for his own spiritual nourishment in order that he would be strong in the faith. And so that's kind of the goal of our focus this morning I want to pick up the passage at verse 10. If you just glance at your Bibles, verses 1 through 9, Paul is talking about the godlessness that we experience in the world around us, and in in verse 10 now, he transitions to the charge to Timothy. So hear now God's inspired word, 2 Timothy 3, verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance persecutions and sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. For every good work. And there ends the reading of God's Word. And with that, we are reminded that we are dependent on God the Holy Spirit to bless the preaching of the Word. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit now to bless the hearing of that. Our great God and our Heavenly Father, as always, we are humbled to come here this morning, humbled because we are unworthy to approach you and unworthy because of our sin. But Father, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for the blessing that you meet with us every Sunday morning and Sunday evening. We thank you for your word. And Father, you have promised that through the hearing of your word, you build up the church, you convert the lost, and you strengthen your saints. Father, do that now. Bless the preacher this morning. Bless the words that come. We pray that it would not be his own, but we pray, Lord, that we would be blessed by the presence of your spirit, that he would open up this inspired word to our hearts and to our lives. And we ask this in Christ's name alone. Amen. Well, recently I was listening to an interview, and the guy being interviewed was someone who had just retired from the military, and he spent a large portion of his career actually in a training unit for winter combat training. It was an interesting interview because he talked a lot about how difficult surviving in the winter environment can really be. He noted that a lot of the training took them up to the Arctic Circle for for weeks at times where he would train guys and how to survive in temperatures that were daily 50 degrees below zero. And he just noted that whenever you get in such a hostile environment, uh, everything becomes difficult. Your equipment fails, uh, it's harsh on the body, it's harsh in so many ways, and you have to think through so many more things when you are in such a hostile condition. And one of the interesting things that stood out to me is he noted that you have to think very carefully about the food that you take when you're going to the Arctic Circle. I never thought about it before, but he says that you need to think very carefully about the food, first of all, because it's so cold, you need to have the right food that will be less likely to freeze. But even more than that, he says you need to have the right kind of food because your body is burning so many calories, you need to think about having food that has the right amount of calories and, I never thought about this before, the right kind of food that will actually help warm you up rather than cool you down. And he noted that it was a harsh lesson for many guys who did not take this to note or take this lesson seriously, and they brought the wrong food and it cost them in such a hostile environment. Well, that analogy, I think, plays out in what Paul is telling them. If, if you need to think about what you consume in the hostile environment of the Arctic Circle, it's almost like Paul is telling Timothy, you need to think about what you need to spiritually consume as you live in the hostile environment of the world that surrounds you. In verses 1 through 9, if you just glance at that, you note that Paul tells Timothy that in these last days that we are now living in, the world around us is going to be filled with wickedness. It's going to be filled with with persecution. It's going to be filled with dangers and spiritual warfare. And Paul says, as a spiritual leader, as one who is leading the church in Ephesus, Timothy, you need to think very carefully about consuming the Word of God so that you are spiritually strong to survive in such an environment like that. Paul is telling Timothy that he himself needs to feed his own soul, In the context here, Timothy, of course, is pastor in Ephesus, and Paul is telling Timothy, if you're going to feed the saints, you need to feed yourself personally from the Word of God so that you are able to stand strongly in the day and age you are living in. And we are reminded, the context of this letter, as we've been going through it the last couple of weeks, we're reminded that this is Paul's last letter. He writes this because he's preparing Timothy to follow in his footsteps to be a leader in the church. Uh, this is Paul's last letter. He is in a prison cell in Rome. He's, he, he knows that his death sentence is imminent. He's about ready to be beheaded at any moment. And he writes this letter to Pastor Timothy in Ephesus to tell Timothy what he needs to do to be a church leader. And this morning, to be a church leader, to be a, a Christian leader, rather, means you need to study the Scriptures. Here's our theme. We learn that Christian leaders need to study the Scriptures to, for strength to serve. Christian leaders, pastors, Sunday school teachers, elders, whoever's a Christian leader needs to study the Scriptures for strength to serve. And there are three reasons that you need to study the Scriptures. Note the three reasons are three points. First of all, we need to study for strength. We need to study for strength in our own lives. Secondly, study for sanctification. Sanctification is that biblical word for growth in holiness. We need to study for our own sanctification and growth and holiness. And then thirdly, we need to study for service. And those are our three points. We need to study for strength, study for sanctification, and then study for service. And we'll take those in turn. First of all, know what Paul says here about Christian leaders need to study for their own strength. The first thing to note about strength is that we need strength because of the days we are living in. We don't want to reread them necessarily for the sake of time, but. If you glance at verses 10 through 13, you notice that Paul is essentially telling Timothy, you're going to suffer. Paul says, remember my ministry. You know what I endured in Antioch and Lystra and Iconium. Uh, I was stoned at one of those cities. I was mocked and reviled by my fellow Jews. I was, I was dragged out of town in one of those. Paul says to be a Christian leader will entail various levels of suffering." Paul says, Timothy, prepare yourself for that. You're going to preach the gospel in the church in Ephesus, and there'll be some people who will hate you for that. There'll be some people who will revile you for that, and there'll be conflicts that will rise up in the church, and you're going to have to endure serious spiritual warfare, not only from the outside of unbelievers warring against you, but you need to endure even when Satan gets involved in the mess of the church life and involve yourself in conflicts and spiritual discipleship Satan is prowling, in Timothy, prepare yourself, because the times we are living in come with great difficulty. It's a hostile spiritual environment, and, and you notice Paul picks up with this in at the beginning of verse 14. He, in the midst of all of this preparation of being persecuted and suffering, Paul says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned. Paul says you need to continue, need to press on. As you experience the persecution, as you experience those battles that's taking place, you need to continue on the path. Do not wander to the right. Do not wander to the left. you got to keep your eyes fixed on following the course that you saw in my own ministry to persist in the midst of such hostile spiritual warfare. As we've been seeing all of the previous weeks, Paul's main point is that Timothy would keep his eyes on the gospel and follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. He is to persist in preaching the gospel. And you notice as well, Timothy will need strength for that continuance in his own faith. Look again at verse 14. Paul says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul says, Timothy, you've got to continue in the path you're on. You need to keep your faith strong. You have to continue following after Christ in that path that you began so long ago. And, And you notice here, Paul points to the fact that Timothy was taught the truth of Christ through the Scriptures. Now, certainly, Paul includes himself in here. In the years that Timothy followed Paul, Timothy certainly would have learned. But notice when Timothy's discipleship began. Notice when Timothy was beginning to be discipled in the conviction of the gospel. It was when he was an infant. And uh, in one of the ways it's a wonderful providence of God that we have this passage on the very Sunday we have an infant baptism, because uh, we are reminded that infant baptism is a beginning of discipleship in the faith. Timothy was discipled from an infant on up by his mother and his grandmother. And Paul says, Timothy, you need to keep on that path of faith. Just as you, were worked, or as you were discipled into personal faith from the Scriptures that your mother and your grandmother taught you in their home, you need to persist in that as you endure the suffering and the persecution in the world. And you notice what Paul says about the Scriptures. The same scriptures that his mother and grandmother taught him are the same scriptures he needs to study now because of two reasons. It is the holy scripture that God uses to give faith and to change the heart of sinners. The reason Timothy was converted, the reason Timothy had faith, was because God blessed the scriptures and the Spirit opened Timothy's heart to see and to believe. The second reason Timothy needs to continue studying is It's because it's through the Scriptures that the Holy Spirit opens our minds, we're going to see in a moment, but to continue in wisdom of salvation. Timothy, you're going to suffer. Timothy, there's spiritual warfare. What are you going to do to stay on that path that you began from childhood on up? Read the Bible. You need to study the Scriptures for your own spiritual survival to stay continuing on the path. Paul's point is that Timothy must persist By reading the Bible personally, so that he would be strong. Again, think about the analogy of consuming food for a moment. What what does an athlete do when he prepares for uh, perhaps a marathon? I've never run a marathon, but I've heard many people do this in preparation for that. They become well disciplined in their diet. They will only consume the food that they know will strengthen their body. And it's not just one meal here or there. No, they have to maintain a constant routine of a proper diet over many weeks and months so that they can run the race with endurance. That's exactly what Paul is saying. Timothy, you're in a marathon. What kind of spiritual diet is going to keep you spiritually strong? It's not going to be in consuming only the things of this world. You need to consume the Word of God as if your soul depends on it, because it does. The Word of God to children of God is the spiritual diet that we need to run the race of faith with strength and endurance. And the last thing I want to note about the strength that we find, you know it in verse 16 here, is we find strength from God's word himself. Look at the description now about what the Bible is in verse 16. Paul says, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. That's a very fascinating word, that word God-breathed. Many scholars think Paul made that up. It's, It's a combination of two words, and it's found nowhere else in the Bible. It's found nowhere else in Greek writing. But it seems as if Paul put two words together to try to get at what the Bible really is. What is the Bible? It is the very Word of God exhaled, as it were, from His mouth. What is the Scriptures? The Scriptures is God breathing them out through the inspiration of the Spirit upon those whom He ordained to pen the Bible so that what they write from Genesis to Revelation is nothing less than the very word of our God. That's what Paul is saying. Believer, your Bible is exhaled from God. This, the idea behind this word is, is pointing out the fact that the Bible, or God is the source of the Bible, that, that the words in Scripture were penned by men, carried along by the Holy Spirit, and they wrote the very words that, that God is were exhaled from his. This is one of the reasons this congregation stands on the fact that the Bible is the living, inerrant Word of God. Why do we preach the Bible every Sunday? Why do we not pick books of philosophy or other things? It is because this is God's Word. This was exhaled by Him. It was written down by the power of the Holy Spirit for us. And even more than that, since it is God's Word, it comes with power. In fact, there's a lot of interesting imagery here. That since it's exhaled from God, it it reminds us, does it not, of how Adam was given life. You remember in Genesis, when God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, what did God do to give Adam life? He exhaled into him. He breathed life into him. He breathed life into the nostrils of Adam. See, that imagery comes through. How does God give new life? How does God give new creation? How does God convert those dead in sin? It is to the reading of the Word of God, the Spirit opening the mind as the living Word of God comes with great power to change the heart of that person. That's what Paul is saying. The Scriptures are what gives strength because it comes from God. This is no mere Bible, or rather, no mere book. It is the Bible of God. It is the Word of God. It is exhaled from God with great power through the Holy Spirit. So here's the point. Timothy, as a Christian leader, for his own strength, must persist in his own personal study of the Word to strengthen his own soul. He will be in a spiritual warfare, and unless he is consuming the Word of God, his soul will shrivel up, and he will not be able to endure the trials. And if you're a Christian leader here this morning, as we've done throughout this series, whether you're in uh, an office bear, a parent, a teacher, the same goes for you and for me this morning. If you and I are not regularly having a healthy diet throughout the week of consuming God's Word, if you and I are not studying the very breathed out Word of God, we will be weak Christian leaders. I would say to you this morning, uh, by way of personal application, to parents present here this morning, you and I need God's Word to strengthen us. I think I've said numerous times as a father, there's nothing more humbling, nothing more um, in in, in many ways discouraging, if I can say it that way, than parenting children. Why? Because we are sinners ourselves. I can't tell you how many times I've laid my head down on the pillow at night thinking about how I parented my children wrongly or how the day just went completely out of control. How am I as a father going to persist in the midst of so much chaos in my parenting? It's the Word of God. It is only by meditating on the Word, by consuming the Word, by holding out the promises of the Word, that I will be able to endure the challenges of parenting. We need, and I've been told that parents need, at every age, spiritual strength to disciple the children God has given to us. Same goes for office bearers. God's word is needed to strengthen us. To be a pastor, an elder, or a deacon is something far beyond our own strength. It requires nothing less than the breathed-out word of God to be able to endure. And if I may, just by way of, a, I guess, a personal antidote, that's exactly what I saw this past week at classes. Uh, at the coffee and talking with other ministers and other elders, we, we inevitably were talking about the challenges that we're facing, we're talking about, about the, the spiritual warfare of Satan in the life of our churches, and, and all that's wrapped up in it. We're reminded that there would be no way any pastor or elder or deacon could endure unless the Word of God was giving us strength, you see. It's exactly what Paul is telling Timothy. You're not going to do this on your own. You need the Spirit's power through the living Word to give you spiritual strength. So that's the first thing, study for our own strength. Secondly, though, you notice well, Timothy is to study for his own sanctification, his own growth in holiness. Note at verse 16, Paul gives four descriptions of the sanctifying power of the Word. It says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Paul says, Timothy, you need to study also because you need to grow in holiness. Timothy, you need to personally be in the Word of God because you still have sin in your own life. You still have struggles in your own life. And it is the Word of God that, that God has chosen as a means to grow you. Look at the four ways this grows Timothy. First of all, he's sanctified by teaching, teaching. The word here is like didactic of instruction, a communication of knowledge and information that we desperately need. What what kind of knowledge does the Bible teach us? First of all, it teaches us about ourselves. We open the Bible because it gives us knowledge about the fact that we are image bearers of God, that we are sinners, that we are depraved, that we have rebelled against God, and that the only way we can be saved is through Jesus Christ. The Bible also gives us knowledge about who God is, that he is our creator, that he is eternal, that he is our redeemer, that he is worthy of praise. We would know that from nowhere else than the Bible communicating the truth of who God is. It teaches us truth. The Bible is profitable because it teaches us truth and doctrine and uh, even tells, tells us truth about how to live in this world. In many ways, kind of what Paul is telling us is is that we are in a relationship with God. We are in a covenant relationship, and just as every relationship thrives as you get to know someone, how do you know more about God? It's through the Word of God. This is His revelation. It's His Word to the church for who He is. So that's the first thing. We learn, we're taught by the Word of God. We, We are taught, our minds are renewed daily as we study the Word of God. He's changing our thought pattern. He's changing how we believe and think, so we begin to think his thoughts after him. Second way we're sanctified is by rebuking. This word here gets at a chastisement, a rebuking. The word of God rebukes us in the sin and the wanderings that we get into. The Bible rebukes our behavior. When we read the word of God, we are corrected in a sense where it chastises us for our sins in thought, word, and deed. The Word of God holds out the, the way of blessedness, the way of holiness, and we all too often fall short of that. And so as we study the Word of God, we read something, we're convicted. The Spirit enters our heart, and it, it penetrates our heart, and it, it reminds us, oh, I've, I've done that. I, I've said those things. I've did that, and it convicts us. Be reminded, that rebuking is a grace. When God's Word convicts you and me of our sin, it's the Spirit prompting us, that's wrong. Change, repent, Believe. Timothy needed to be rebuked by the Word of God. The, the Word of God is kind of like a shepherd's staff. I've been told that sheep wander off the path and, and the shepherd will take his staff and, and tap the sheep to go back on the straight path. That's the Word of God. We begin to wander, we begin to engage in sin. The Word of God rebukes us and puts us back on the path. The Word of God is a lo- the word of a loving father who chastises his children For misbehaving. It corrects us in our sin. I was listening to a sermon this past week on this, and the minister in this area brought up uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. I think it's the book, The The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, if you've read that, or I think you've seen the movie of it. There's a character in that book named Eustace, and at first, in the start of the book, he's the most annoying character because he's always getting in trouble. He's he's full of pride, he's self righteous, and, and no one on the boat likes him. And then suddenly, his sin gets him into trouble. He eventually becomes a dragon. If you know the story, he he goes and wanders in to steal some gold and he becomes a dragon. And the whole point of this is Lewis is trying to give him a picture, or the point of this is that that he becomes a dragon because he's becoming outwardly what he was inwardly. Now throughout all those times where he was just the selfish little boy, he was like this nasty dragon on the inside, but suddenly, he became nasty and a dragon on the outside and it actually humbled him the point where he cried out to be delivered of this. And again, if you've read this book, you, you know that, that he tries to strip the dragon scales off him. He's so frustrated with being a dragon, he's ripping and tearing, but as soon as he rips it off, it comes right back. And it's only when Aslan comes and takes his sharp claws and claws at the scales of his dragon flesh that it rips the scales off permanently. And and the book goes on, and and people ask Eustace later, what was it like to have the dragon scales ripped off your body? And Eustace says, it was the most miserable, painful thing I'd ever experienced. But It was also the most blessed thing because I was being freed from that which brought me misery. Christian, that's a good analogy for what the rebuking Word of God is. It hurts, doesn't it? When God rebukes us the reading of the law, when the Word of God corrects us and holds up our sin, there's a sense in which we don't want to look because it hurts, we're ashamed. We want to run away, we don't want to see it. But you see, God's Word does that so that that pain would turn to joy. We'd repent of that sin, the Spirit would cleanse us of that sin, and we'd be free of that sin. That is a rebuking function of the Word of God. Third way that we are sanctified by the Word, Paul says, we are corrected by it. Correction here is kind of like the more positive function of rebuking. It's more of a positive, just setting things straight, making things proper, improving things to make them better. Uh, The idea here of correcting is just kind of setting things straight. When I thought of it this week, it's like the imagery of straightening out a picture on the wall. If you ever had a picture kind of off sides, it it bothers you until you go up to it and kind of set it straight and put it right. That's the idea behind this word. The the word corrects us. It sets us straight. It improves our lives. When we're kind of tilted in our spiritual life, it sets us straight and and sets us on a proper course. It corrects us, setting us straight to improve our lives life. And when we are approved in it, He restores us to godliness and we find blessing in that. And the last way, the fourth way, we're sanctified by the Word is through training in righteousness. God's Word trains us in the path of righteousness that we should go. Kind of the imagery behind this word of training is to be an apprentice to a master. It's like being you know, someone who comes along to learn a trade of someone who's been in many years, and you're an apprentice, and it takes years of kind of watching how this person works and learning the tricks of the trade, and, and you're being trained so that over time you can become an electrician, you can become a plumber, because you've been trained by watching someone else do it. How do you grow in righteousness? How do you change the way you live? How do you function more like a child of God? By studying the Word. It trains us like an apprentice in the path of what it is to follow after Christ. It trains us in righteousness. And so what's the point this morning? Why does Paul tell Timothy this? What does it have to do with being a Christian leader? I think here's the point. To be a Christian leader means that we need to be reshaped. We need to be molded by God's Word. We need to be personally changed in our own life if we're to be useful in the change in other people's lives. That's the point. Timothy could not be a useful pastor about bringing people along in the faith unless he himself was growing in his own walk in the faith. He needed to strengthen his own soul. He needed to be sanctified in his own walk in order to disciple others. I think here's part of the application. We're reminded that one of the many ways God uses to grow believers and to change us is the regular study of his word. Again, the imagery of food. Unless you're consuming healthy food, you won't be healthy. How are you to be spiritually healthy? Well, there's no other way unless you consume the spiritual food of the Word of God. That is the means God has chosen. The only way is through that. Maybe I should put it this way. If we are not consuming the Word of God, what are we consuming? We're consuming the message of the world. We're consuming things that would cause our soul to shrivel up. It is the junk food of the world that will shrivel our souls up. And it is only through the reading of the word personally that you and I will grow. We cannot expect to be strong in the faith unless we are consuming the word of God personally. That's Paul's point. But third reason to study the word God. Third and final reason here. Notice that Paul says Timothy is to study the word for service. Look at verse 17 for this point. He says, so that, so that for all these four reasons that we just mentioned, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul says you're the man of God. The idea behind that word man of God is to be a minister. certainly applies to men and women of believers, but predominantly behind that word is to be a a pastor, to be the man of God who heralds the Word of God. The only way you're to be thoroughly equipped for that is it's through the study of God's Word. He's addressing Timothy to be a pastor of the church at Ephesus. The only way he will have the tools necessary to be an office in the church is to study the Word of God. And note that. Notice that Paul doesn't say, Timothy, you need to have more life experience. Timothy, you need to get a college degree to do this. Timothy, you need to, to, to be out and about before you become a minister. No, no. Those things may be helpful. What does it take to be a faithful man of God? The Word of God, the study of the Word, to know the Word is what is needed to be a minister or to be a church leader. It is not life experience or college degree or business experience that will equip a person to lead another one in the walk of faith. It is simply the Word of God that will give them the tools necessary. And and you notice that that's the last part of the service. You notice that whatever translation you're using, he means thoroughly or to be completely equipped for the test. The, the idea is that you don't need anything else. You don't need any other tool to be a man of God or to be a Christian leader. You will be well equipped. You will have everything you need for the good work of caring for others. Here's the point. Paul is telling Timothy he must personally study God's Word so that he will have the tools needed to guide others in their work. And that is why that God has told the church to be about the Word. Why do we have Sunday school? Why do we have catechism? Why do we have Bible studies? Why is Rob teaching the adult Sunday school class on parenting, going through the Word of God? Because we need tools to do these things. How do you and I know how to parent? The Word of God. We will not be able to parent our children with worldly wisdom. We will need the Word of God to parent. That's what Rob is doing. Giving you and I the tools from the Word of God So we know something to speak to our children to raise them up in the faith. Paul's point is this. Whatever type of a Christian leader you are this morning, it will be the personal study of the Word of God that's going to give you the tools to do that job. There is no other resource that can do that. It is only the Word of God that will give you the tools necessary. So in conclusion, by way of personal application as we come to a close this morning, two things that I want to kind of tie everything together with. First of all, the gospel. We always need to see the gospel in every passage. What do we learn this morning about the study of the Word of God in light of that? And I would say this to you. We learned this morning that the study of the Word of God, the sole purpose of devotions, of being in the Word of God personally, is to get to know Christ more. You know, in Luke 24, what does Jesus say to the disciples on the road to Emmaus? What what is the point of the Bible? What is Genesis to Revelation all about? It's about Him. Genesis to Revelation is about one person, it is about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are to read that asking, What does this teach me about Jesus? How does this prepare me in the Old Testament for His coming? In the New Testament, what does this tell me about the Jesus who has come? See, the reason we study the Bible is not so that we can win Bible trivia. It is not so that we can impress people that I can find the the minor prophets. You know, I still have to sing that song to get through the minor prophets because I still have a hard time finding those difficult books. We don't study the Bible so we can impress people with those things. Why do we study the Bible? Because I need to know Jesus better. Andrew not needs to know the Savior who came to die for him. Andrew not needs to know who it is that I love. I want to know him more. How do I know him more? By his revelation, the Word of God. To love our Savior more means we fellowship with Him in the Word that He has given. We study the Word to know why Jesus has come, that I am a sinner, that I am in misery, that if God were to give me what I deserve, I would go to hell for all eternity. I study the Word of God to see the beautiful Jesus Christ, who suffered on the cross of Calvary, to pay for the sins of His people. We study the Word of God so that we would know the amazing love of a father who would send his son to die for rebellious people like you and me. We study the word of God to be strengthened in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you would say, okay, pastor, yes, I know that. Of course I know that. But what does that mean for me? What what does that mean? What am I supposed to do? Let me try to be a little more practical here. Husbands and wives, how does studying the word of God benefit you in your marriage relationship? Well, here's one way. As you study the Word of God to see Christ in it and to see the gospel in it, it strengthens you in your daily failings to love and serve one another as husbands and wife. You know, as husbands and wife, we fail to love one another, we fail to live up to the call to serve, to care for one another. How are we to continue in flourishing in our marriage? It is seeing Christ in the Bible, seeing him who is the great bridegroom who loved perfectly, seeing him who died to forgive me for my sins as a husband seeing Him who died so that my marriage could thrive by the sanctifying work of the Spirit in our homes. It is by seeing Christ and applying that practically to how I function as a husband or a wife. How about being a parent? How does seeing the gospel benefit you as a parent? Well, as I mentioned, parenting is a difficult task to bring daily discouragements their own failures to parent our children to be a godly example The Word of God holding out the gospel of Christ as we study is like a balm for our souls to realize I'm a forgiven parent. I will fall short and I will not parent in my own strength. I will parent in the strength of holding out the gospel in the sense that we repent and believe and that Christ died not just for parents but also for children as we hold out that daily to our children. The Word of God encourages that God cares for my children more than I do. And even in my failures that God knows that I would have, He has promised to work in the midst of that. And His Word and the Gospel gives me hope. And to church leaders and Christian leaders, it gives us strength in the struggle of our own sin and the struggles of serving in a church filled with the messiness of sin that Christ died for messy sinners. You know, I didn't ask any pastor this week. I didn't have to. Why do we go to classes? Why do ministers and elders persist in the midst of so much conflict, and so much of Satan's involvement in life, the church, why don't we just give up? It's because Christ died for a messy church. He died to sanctify a church. He died so that when conflict comes, there's a place where we can repent of our sin. There's a place where we can forgive one another. There's a place where we can go to be reconciled with one another. Yes, the church is a mess, but Christ knew that. He died for that church. And by studying the gospel, by studying scripture, we're equipped be prepared to meet those challenges and to bring the gospel to bear on us. So here's the point. We study the word of God to see Jesus in it so that we grow stronger in the gospel and equipped to carry on our task. Secondly, second thought of application, and this is more practical. It teaches us the need to study the word of God, and I would add to that, that we are living in a day and age where studying the word of God is so widely available with so many avenues. Now, if you're like me, your daily schedule is probably packed. And probably even as you hear once again a sermon, you need to read the Bible more. No doubt you're sitting there thinking, yeah, I know, but my schedule is so full, I've got to recommit. Well, I'm right there with you. Our schedules are so full and it's so easy to slip and say, I'll read that tomorrow. Let me just be a little more practical here. There are so many ways you can study the Bible in addition to and, and maybe even more creative in, in place of daily reading. I think, for example, the fact that we have Uh, so many sermons, like on sermon audio, so many podcasts of godly teachers that you can download them on your phone as you're doing your housework or driving around. You can be listening to faithful godly teaching and grow in your understanding of the Word. I would say even more than that, uh, there's audio Bibles where you can listen to the Word. Uh, A number of years ago, I had an acquaintance in Michigan, and he was a, a delivery driver, I think for FedEx or something like that, and He once shared with me that he bought the Bible on CD, and so he would just play the Bible and he would do his delivery routes, and and yes, he'd miss a bunch. He'd be jumping out of the truck, he'd be delivering a passage, he'd get in, but he said over time, by the constant playing of the Bible, he was knowing the Bible. What was he doing? He was studying the Word of God through his daily routine of just listening as much as he could, soaking in the Word of God. I would even add this, there's even a sense, if you search for it, there's even seminary level training, you need to search for good ones, but there's even seminary level training classes to know faithful doctrine. We are living in a day and age where the study of Scripture could not be any more convenient. Here's my point, be creative in how you study the Word of God. Yes, be faithful in reading it. Yes, study it. But there are many other avenues of where you can grow in your own life by plugging into these resources. So brothers and sisters, as we survive, may we not just survive, may we thrive in the environment that we're living in. May we grow spiritually strong so we'd be faithful in leading others in the faith. Amen. Let's pray. Our great God and our Heavenly Father, apply this word to our hearts this morning. Father, we pray, Lord, that we would receive this word, that we would be changed by this word. Father, even the promises held out in this word, that you would teach, correct, rebuke, and exhort all of us this morning. Even more than that, refresh us that as we go, we would go with a joy in our step, knowing the gospel of Christ. And we ask this in Christ's name alone. Amen.